Good morning, everybody. This is Robert Carrillo speaking to you from uh, MetroVision Studios here in beautiful Los Angeles. Great to see you all, or imagine you all, I should say, and great to be together uh, this Sunday morning as we worship God together. I know uh, a lot of you will be meeting right after this lesson in your virtual small groups and having a discussion and taking communion and, and contribution, all that good stuff. And hopefully even be able to do some singing and worshiping. Uh, um, I'm excited about what we have to share today, but uh, I do want to just say uh, welcome to everybody and especially uh, not only the mighty metro region, but all of the, all of those that are watching from far away. I just heard that uh, Colorado, there's people from Colorado, San Diego, and of course people from all over and uh, especially our friends and families. Uh, welcome. It's great to have you, uh, with us this morning as we turn to the scriptures. And, uh, you know, the lesson today is, is, is what we need to remember, you know, what we need to know. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of things out there right now about the virus, what you need to know and, and about getting help, what you need to know. And, and, and of all the things, I think the things I'm going to share with you this morning are the most important things that we need to know and we need to be aware of. Um, let's go ahead and start out with a short prayer and then, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll jump into our discussion and then into our Bible study. Let's pray. Father God, uh, be with us this morning and help us to connect with each other, even if it's through electronics and through watching and listening. And I pray, Father, we'll, we'll understand and know, we know God that you are outside of the boundaries of physical time and space. So it doesn't really matter to you that we can connect from you and be together from anywhere. And uh, Father, please bless our time to study your Bible, uh, bless our discussion, bless the discussions afterwards and in our communion that we take together, Father. Please uh, bless this next hour and a half, couple of hours. We pray that we'll connect with you and uh, Father, that we'll draw closer to you and understand you even better. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So uh, I do want to say, I do want to invite everyone back tomorrow for the, the devotional. Tomorrow's devotional is on Esther. And we have a very guest, very special guest speaker, the lovely Miss Michelle Carrillo uh, will be helping me with Esther. And I think that's going to be uh, a, a really great time. And Michelle and I are going to be doing some podcasts together on, at a separate time that we'll let you know on that. Um, and next week, we've got some exciting things rolling out with uh, an app that will be on our phone to help us stay connected. And you can sign up and get studies and bulletins and all that good stuff. And uh, we're just building connection. I think we're all learning how to be connected other ways besides meeting in buildings. Um, and, uh, you know, this is very biblical. In the early church, they had a lot of challenges about staying connected. And they were very resourceful, very creative. And so must we be the same, right? So, you know, this this last week was a pretty difficult week. Um, uh, we had a uh, day of prayer and fasting last Thursday uh, where uh, tens of thousands of Christians uh, around the world, and literally in every major city of the world, uh, prayed and fasted for our world, prayed and fasted for our people, for our families, for our children, for our friends, for our elderly. And, uh, you know, I thought, I thought a lot about that and I prayed and definitely for me, it really impacted me that, that day, just thinking through everything that was happening. You know, if, if you look at the, 
the latest it's just it's 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 devastating what what is happening out there uh, of course the united states is now at the top of the chart and in cases of the virus and uh you know if, if if you've been watching the news at all and 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 again i you know i recommend you don't leave it on all day it will be overwhelming or you don't watch it too much but we do need to know what's going on and and there's been a lot of talk of what's happening out there and how it's impacting cities around the world, places where Michelle and I have very good friends, very close friends and people we care about. And and so it's particularly hitting us hard. And and with all the travels I've been on the last four years working with Hope, um, of course, I have all those people in my in my on my heart and in my mind. And, and it's been uh, very heartbreaking to hear. Uh, what's happening out there with the hospitals being overrun in multiple cities, uh, New York on the verge of that, the chaos it's, that uh, New Yorkers are having to go through even to get medicine or to get any kind of help, um, having doctors and nurses sharing about having to choose who gets a ventilator and who doesn't based on who's most likely to survive and who's not. Uh, people sleeping in hallway floors uh, because they're just simply out of beds and and seeing that, you know, I mean, all of us know how horrible it is to be sick uh, and to be, you know, in a bed, but to be on the floor in a, you know, cold floor in a hospital. Um, and then probably one of the most shocking, the hearing the literally thousands of doctors and nurses and first responders that themselves have now gotten the virus and are dying. Uh, people dying around uh, people dying that are surrounded by strangers and and not by their families because their families simply cannot be there and and just how horrible that is you know when 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 I, I can only imagine somebody that I love somebody that I'm close to having to go to the hospital and I can't be there with them and I can't be there with our family friends and and uh Families having to stay home while their loved ones are in the hospital and not there, and funerals that can't be uh, held because of the, the the inability to gather, funerals with one or two people in in the, uh, there to say goodbye, and I think about you know how I would feel if it was one of my kids or Michelle, uh, and and I couldn't go with them. I couldn't go with them to the hospital. I couldn't go with them to the emergency room or wherever they needed to go. Um, these are these are very intense things that are happening out there and and they're happening in not in the you know the 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 farthest places and corners of the world they're happening in major cities and of course you know this is these things are happening now in the United States and New York um is is being under a, a, a no travel advisory from the CDC but even all that, you know, all those things that are going on, and in many ways, uh, they're not the worst of what's about to happen. Um, we're going to go through a lot of the next few months, and it's not the worst, though, because in reality, this has been spreading mostly thus far in the rich parts of the world where people travel, the major cities, right? It is now getting to the medium cities. But by and large, in the richer parts of the world, what we would call the first world or developing nations. And I'm afraid that this does not compare to what's going to happen when the virus hits the poorest parts of the world, when when the virus reaches areas 
when it hits the slums and the ghettos and the townships and the barrios of Latin America and Africa and Middle East, Southeast Asia and South Asia. What's going to happen in those areas, uh, even, even here in the homeless community, when millions are left to die by themselves without medicine, without respirators, without help, without hope, I mean, this this is what's coming ahead, and 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 the many many children that will be left orphans because of it. And will anybody know? And who's going to help them? You know, who's going to help you when you live in a township and there isn't a doctor or nurse anywhere nearby, or a barrio, or if you live in Nesawakoyot in in Mexico on the side of Mexico City, or up in the hills in the barrios of of of. Uh, Bolivia and La Paz, Bolivia, and these people, they have no access to medicine or doctors. And and I think about that and how much we need to be praying. And I think about especially the kids of the world. And of course, the question is is always is who's going to care for them? Or, or maybe even the most base question, who cares? Really, who cares? And I know this. I know God cares. I know that God cares about everybody. I know that God sees us all as, as his children, and he cares about us all. You know, I think of the scripture Jesus said, in this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. You know, Jesus understood the, the distress, the anxiety, the fear that we're all going to fear, feel, he understood where we're at. He understood us. Uh, one of the great things, you know, you, everybody who knows me knows Hebrews is one of my favorite books in the Bible. And and, and Hebrews 2 and 3 makes an, an amazing uh, presentation of how Jesus suffered and, and became the perfect Savior for us because he felt everything we felt. And he went through everything we went through. And everything that hurts us, he was hurt with. And he does care. And I think that um, sometimes, though, when when we're in trouble, and and I think this is coming ahead of us. I think our hardest times are are going to be the next few weeks, when those that have not been working run out of money, and and we've got to figure out how to take care of each other, when not just distant people on the TV, but people we know come down with this virus, or even people we we know and care about and love and are related to, or in or in love with, or love deeply. And those there's going to be challenging times. And I think what oftentimes happens is we start to wonder about God. We start to wonder, does Jesus care? And what does God think? And I think, and I, so I, I wanted to address this to, to some degree that I think might, might help because I do think we're going to be wondering and, and there and questions will be raised. And I think we need to know how to think about this, how to spiritually handle these challenges so that we don't fall into the traps of the world, um, that we don't fall into the wrong questions or the wrong answers. Um, I think, you know, some people are, are wondering, you know, is, is, is it a punishment from God? Uh, is it a discipline from God? Is this from God? There are some saying that out there. Is it the work of Satan? Is, is this Satan just coming after us? Uh, is it the fruit of our sin? Uh, how we have treated the earth and its animals? Is this our fault? 
Is it anybody's fault? These questions are, they're going to be asked and we're going to be wrestling with these things. And of course, the question, the big question is, where is God in all this? And what role does he play in all this? And that's what I want to focus on today. What you need to know about God, because the wrong information can hurt us, hurt us spiritually, hurt us emotionally, and the right information can heal us and can help us and can strengthen us and help us to be our best. You know, um, what do we need to remember? Well, number one, I think we need to remember that the Lord is good. God is good. He's always good. We sing a lot of songs about this. It was kind of funny. I was, I jumped in my car to drive over to the, to uh, Turnwall Studio, to the Metrovision Studio and um, turn on the radio and the song was God is so good. And then, then it was our God and then it was God. And it was just like, wow, God was, you know, strengthening me all the way over. And my prayer all the way over was help me to really explain this because truthfully, you know, the, it gets back to the, the age old question, if God is good, why is there evil in the world? And, and that's about a three or four hour lesson to say the least, at least a three or four hour lesson, but which we don't have time for. But, but I do want to touch on some things that I think we do need to remember through all this. That number one is God is good. He is so good. In Nahum 1.7 says, The Lord is good, a refuge in times of trouble. He cares for those who trust in him. You know, that, that, that he's, in times of trouble, he's just such a refuge. If you have a relationship with him, if you don't, I invite you to get to know him so he can be a refuge for you. Um, and, and he's able to care for those who trust him. Why? Because they put their hearts in his hands. And if you don't put your heart in his hands, he can't take care of you. He can't heal you if you're hiding from him, if you're running from him, or, or if you're ignoring him, you have to take steps towards him. And, but, and, and that way, that's how you know that God is good by turning yourself over to him, by giving him your heart, by entrusting yourself to him. The Lord is good. He's a refuge in times of trouble. I've had some just incredible prayers and incredible times where I just, God is just with me and I know it and I know it. And I've learned this a long time ago, fortunately, because I had people that helped me to know God. I had people like Jeff Chacon who introduced me to God and, and so many incredible people in my life and, and Michelle and I, and I mean, one of the reasons why I wanted to marry Michelle was because I knew she was a deeply spiritual woman who would help me stay close to God, who would always keep God in front of me. And, and he is a refuge and I've been through a lot and he's always been there for me. You know, I think about, um, John, first John one five says, this is the message we have heard from him and proclaimed to you that God is light and in him, there's no darkness. There's no evil in God. There's no, I mean, if people wonder, well, you know, is, is, does God have a bad day? Does he have an off day? Does he get in a bad mood sometimes? Maybe this virus is just God being angry. And, and oh, I tell you this, I can tell you this, that there's no evil in God, that God is pure good. He's pure light. He's holy completely and all the way through. And Lamentations 355 says, I call on your name, Lord, from the depth of the pit. You heard my plea. Do not close your ears to my cry for relief. You came near when I called you and you said, do not fear. 
You know, I, I shared it in another lesson that do not fear is it's the most common command in the Bible. It's it's the thing that God has said more to us than anything else. And what does he want, especially now in times like this, he wants us to draw near to him. And I'm going to be doing a video uh, this week on on how do you find God, especially for those of you who, who are starting from step one. And I know there are people watching right now that don't know anything about God and maybe past the little bit they went to church growing up. And, and, and are feeling the need right now for a greater relationship with God or to be close to him, to be in a refuge that he has made, to be comforted by him, to have that confidence that, that God is in control and that I can turn to God. But, uh, we, we, we have to, we have to turn ourselves over to him and, and we need to remember this. No matter what happens, there is one fact. The fact is, God is good. It doesn't always look like that to you. It doesn't always seem like that to you. And I'll talk about that in a minute. But he is good. That is a fact. God is good. Say it with me. God is good. He's always good. When good things happen, you have to be able to say, God is good. And when bad things happen, you have to remind yourself, God is good. And he is good. The other thing that we need to remember and know is that he's just, fair, and righteous. God is righteous. What does that mean? That's a $10 word that sounds like a very religious, lofty word. It just means he does what's right. He always does what's right. He always treats us the right way. He always knows what's right. He always does what's right, which means it's fair, which means it's just. He doesn't do wrong. He doesn't get in bad moods and and lash out like we do. He doesn't give up like we do. His love is not is not conditional like ours is. His his belief, his faith, his conviction in himself is constant and forever. His love isn't based on us, it's based on him. So you can count on it always. It's unchanging. But God is righteous. He always does what's good. Psalm 9:8, he rules the world in righteousness and judges the people with equity means he's fair. He does what is right and he, he doesn't cheat. He doesn't forget. He doesn't. And, 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 you, and you have to know that. And you don't know that until you really know him, until you're close to him and you walk with him and you get to know that more and more and you're able to trust him more and more. It's people who don't know him that turn on him and get angry at God. And, and I know sometimes we all get tempted to question God. I'm not, not saying that's not there. That's there. But that's why we got to go back and remember and say to ourselves that God is good. God is righteous. God knows what he's doing. You know, Psalm 33, 5, the Lord loves righteousness and justice. The earth is full of his unfailing love. This is God. Psalm 36, 6. Your righteousness is like the highest mountains, your justice like the great deep. You, Lord, preserve both people and animals. And I love that. That I mean, God loves people. He loves animals. He loves, he loves the earth. He created the earth. He gave, he gave Noah the responsibility of taking care of it. He gave, he gave Adam the responsibility of authority and authority to, to watch over it, you know. In Psalm 37, 39, it says, The salvation of the righteous comes from the Lord. He is their stronghold in tr- times of trouble. When we try to do right, you can count. I mean, we, we, we are God's children. I mean, we are never more like that, like him, when we're just trying to do the right thing. 
In Psalm 103, 17 says, But from everlasting to everlasting, the Lord's love is with those who fear him and his righteousness with their children's children. God's always thinking about kids. He's always thinking about children. In Psalm 118, 5, the Lord is gracious and righteous. Our God is full of compassion. He's compassionate. You know, yeah, I think all of us, when we suffer, we, we want somebody to feel feel for us. I mean, to say feel sorry for us is not really the correct term, but we want them to feel compassion for us. We don't want people to judge us unfairly. We don't want to be treated unfairly. We want somebody to be fair with us. And, and when we suffer, to understand our suffering and, and, and be compassionate about it. God is. God is the God who is compassionate. So God is God is good. God is righteous. He's also God. <laughs> what? God is God, and we are not. God is omniscient. He's omnipresent. He's omnipotent. He's omnipotent. These are the classic attributes. These are the classic ways that God is described. Why? Because we, we it is important that we understand God is God and we are not. And they say, well, isn't that obvious? No, no, not always obvious. Because sometimes we set ourselves up to be God. Sometimes we do forget that we're not God. Sometimes, I mean, that we are God or we think we are God. And we forget that we're not God. And I think that that, that may sound really silly and stupid, but when we begin to judge God, well, why God this and why God that? Are we not setting ourselves up over him as a God over a God, as someone who judges? If only God judges, then we judge him. Are we not setting ourselves up as God? And sometimes we critique him. And sometimes we, 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 we treat him in an unrighteous way. You know, there, there's always going to be times where we have questions or we just don't understand something or something doesn't make sense to us. But if we understand that God is God, the omniscient, omni, omnipresent, omnipotent, omnipotent, then we understand that we're not going to understand everything. That it's that you know what what is omniscient means he knows everything, omnipresent means he is everywhere, omnipotent means he's all powerful, and omnipotent means he's he's the creator of all things. All things come from him. I mean, if you know, I I spent months in a classroom just studying these four qualities. Actually, I brought my book, my textbook from that class, the the title of God, Great is the Lord. It's a fantastic book of just understanding the attributes of God, understanding how awesome he is, how great he is, how powerful he is. If if you really want to get into it, which, you know, there's there's other books that are lighter. This is a little bit heavy, but the truth is it's written so that a non-theologian can understand it. But it's it's wonderful. It's it's by um, Ron Highfield, who was my professor. But I remember just spending an uh, entire class, three hours, just discussing: uh, Is God good? You know, and 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 we worked through that. And it's something that everybody needs to understand, no matter what, because sometimes it doesn't seem like it. And of course, that is Satan's goal: is to make God look bad. And his number one goal is to get you not to trust God and to separate you from God. 
and he does it with lies and he's constantly weaving deception to get us not to trust God. And we have to understand that God isn't going to be understandable completely for us. And we have to be okay with that. In Isaiah 55, 8 through 9, it says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. I mean, if we just understand that we're not God, and think of somebody who's omniscient, omnipotent, omnipotent, and omnipresent, is going to know so much more than us. I mean, can can a finite brain understand an infinite mind? I mean, can we really? I mean, it, it, is that even? I mean, I I don't even understand. You know how how a CD player works or how a how a live streaming works. Uh, I don't even understand half the technology we have. And I'm going to try to understand and claim to understand a God who created all things and is always present through history, future, a God who can look at my life and see the day I was born and the day I die at the same time, who's outside of the boundaries of time and space, Jesus who can appear and disappear and go through walls and 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 who's been around since before creation, during creation, and will be around forever. Of course I can't because of the limits of my brain, the limits of my mind. I, I I won't be able to understand all that. You know, I've thought before, you know, could somebody born blind, how would you describe a rainbow to them? Or somebody born deaf, how would you describe uh, uh, Beethoven's Ninth Symphony? Or, or, or any great piece of music? How would you describe that to somebody who doesn't have the, the the pieces or or an awareness or an understanding of that. I mean, the most I could say a rainbow is like it's like hot apple pie and ice cream, right? It's something so cool, but that doesn't help them see a rainbow. <laughs> that doesn't that they're still not going to understand it. And there's so much that we don't understand. And in our pride, we want to understand everything. We we want God to explain Himself to us. And be reasonable and logical to us. Again, watch out. We're not God. He doesn't answer to us. We answer to him. He is God. We are not God. And he doesn't have to explain it all. That's why, that's why it takes faith to, to, to draw near to him. It takes faith to please him. And we have to be okay with being on a need-to-know basis. I figured that out a long time ago as a Christian. God keeps me on a need-to-know basis. What I need to know, he explains. What I don't need to know, he doesn't. And there are many, many, many things that he will not explain to me in this life. And that's okay because he's God and I can trust him. And at the bottom of this is really trust. You know, that, 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 that what he does, he does for what is right. You know, if you were to speak to a little kid, and take him to this to the uh, to the doctor to get a shot. That seems so unfair to them. I mean, this stranger pulls out a needle and jabs them for no apparent reason and brings about all this pain and they cry. And the parents sitting there not even protecting the kid. In fact, rolling up the sleeve and 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 burying the arm so that the kid will get stabbed by this by the needle by the stranger. It seems so wrong unless you know 
that they're getting a vaccine that's going to save their life. But you have to know that. You have to know that. And then you can trust what's happening there. That maybe it's painful in the moment, but in the long run, it will save my life. And that's what it's like with many things in this world, that we have to trust God. But you have to know that God is good. You have to know that. You have to know that God is righteous. And you have to be okay with not being God. You have to be able to know that God is God. He knows things I don't. He knows what matters, what doesn't matter. And 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 he looks at death very differently than I do. You know, we look at we look at we look at our lives and that's all we see. We don't see what happens afterwards. And it would be like if if you went on vacation to Disneyland for a week and you judged everything by the time you spent in your car, getting in the car and driving from wherever the motel or hotel nearby and driving to the park. And that's all you know. And you judged everything by that drive. You have no idea what Disneyland's going to be like or what an incredible time you're going to have. But if you judged everything by the ride, that little journey, how crazy that would be. This 15, 20 minute, 30 minute ride to a whole day of an incredible experience. So yeah, God sees it different than we do because he sees time different. In Corinthians 15, it says, verse 50, I declare to you, brothers and sisters, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Listen, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we will all be changed. In a flash, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable and we will and we will be changed for the perishable must clothe itself with the imperishable and the mortal with immortality and when the imperishable has been clothed with the imperishable and the mortal with the mortality then the saying that is written will come true death has been swallowed up in victory you know we've talked about it before Our deepest fear is death. And I think this is going to be a real thing in the coming days as this virus spreads to more and more people. Death is going to go from something on on the news at 6 p.m. to something in my neighborhood, to something in my family, to something in people I care about and know about. I mean, we care about people in general, but we feel it much stronger when it's someone we know or someone in our community and, and, and a lot of us are going to have to deal with this stuff in a much stronger way in the days to come. And we need to understand that Jesus had victory even over death. The one thing that we have no, no way to alter or change that we are helpless before. But God is not. God is not helpless. God is all powerful. And he's not just all powerful. He's all loving. And he's not just all loving. He loves and cares about you. And he cares about me. And he cares about our families. And he cares about the people around us. He goes on, he says, Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, he gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, Stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord, 
because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. So as we're going through all this, we, we, we need to remember what's important. We need to remember through it all that God is good because he is. He's good. He's so good. And we can't just be people who say God is good when things are going easy or when things are going well. The real people of faith, they can say God is good even when they're suffering, even when we're going through difficult times. Why? Because we know that God is righteous. He's just and he's fair. Why can we trust him? Because we know that we he is God and we are not. And we can entrust ourselves to him. He's God and he's a good God. And therefore, we need to stand firm and let nothing move us. He has the ultimate victory over death. The scariest thing in this world is death. And he has victory over that. He's conquered it. If you are a Christian, if you are a disciple of Jesus, then you have to understand what this means. This means that you and I aren't dying. You and I will go on to something far better. That's a real thing. Our bodies will die and we get new ones. And that's pretty cool. But that's not just a nice saying or a nice happy thought to make you feel better. That's the truth. You and I, we will not die. We will not perish. We will go to sleep. And then at the trumpet call, we'll be raised up with him. That's pretty awesome. And Jesus, just to just to make sure you understand this, he said, my father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have not Would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I am going. This is a a personal commitment from Jesus to you. This is him saying, look, don't be afraid. I'll come back. I will be back. And I'll be back for you. That was his commitment to us. That's his promise to us. And it's to you. You mean Jesus knows who I am? Yeah, he absolutely knows who you are. Why? So you not be afraid of death. So that you're not afraid of what this world may do. Or what may happen in this world. Or for that matter, what Satan may do. And yeah, Satan's out there. And he's wreaking a lot of havoc. I don't know why everything's happening right now. I don't. And and I dare say question anybody who says they do. You know, is it was there's all kinds of conspiracy theories out there, but even on a spiritual side, is God disciplining us? Is this just the fruit of our sin? Is this just what we've done? Or is it is it Is it possible that it's an accident? Are accidents possible? I don't have the answers to all that, but I do have, but what I have is a knowledge of the truth. God is good. God is righteous. God is righteous. And he is God, and I am not. And he sent his son down so that we could be saved from ourselves, from our own sin. So that no matter how much we mess up, 
there is a way back to God. Because that's ultimately what he wants, is for us to be with him. But you've got to be with Jesus. And you've got to be close to Jesus. And you've got to make sure that you're following Jesus. Now, I end with this story. It's a classic story. I've said it in other places. I don't think I've said it here. It's about a man who, who was very wealthy and did very well in business. And he, uh, he became very rich, found love, married, happily married, love of his life. She got pregnant and they had a son, a beautiful boy. But unfortunately, she died in the birth. And so it was just the man and his son. And he loved his son so much, and he never he chose never to marry again. But much to his heartbreak, his son also later became ill, and he too died. And the man lived the rest of his life by himself. He never remarried, never had any more children. So when he died, his estate went up for sale. And all the things he'd collected, and all the art, and all the possessions that were very nice. And on one day, they had an auction to sell his estate. And the very first thing that came up was this painting of his son. And it was a beautiful painting. And they put it up and the auctioneer said, okay, who will begin the bidding with for $500? And nobody raised their hand. So he lowered it to 300. Nobody raised their hand. To 100. Nobody raised their hand. To $75. And a little old guy in the back corner, he was the gardener, you see. He was the gardener. And he used to play with the son. He loved the son. He loved the son so much. And he raised his hand. And of course, he won it. And he won it. And the, the, the auctioneer said, sold to the man in the back corner. And then he closed the auction book. And he said, the auction's over. And everybody was, wow, there was a big ruckus. Everybody was mad. And he said, I'm sorry, but the owner made it crystal clear that whoever gets the son gets everything else. And that's the way it is with God. You get Jesus, you get everything. You get eternal life, you get victory over death. You have a refuge. You have hope always. You have strength from above. You have the Spirit of God moving in you. And that's what we need to count on. And that's what we need to be thinking about in the months to come. We need to be the people who know and tell everybody else God is good, even when things don't seem right or it seems like God has abandoned us. When it seems like God has abandoned us, somebody's got to remember that he is not, that he is good and he's always there. When it seems like everything is bad, somebody in the room needs to remember, no, God is good. And we can always turn to him. And that's what he desires. And we need to remember that Jesus was sent to save us and to bring us back home and to have victory over death and to be with him forever. Heaven, it's not a mythical place. It's not a fantasy. It's not a nice story to make people feel better. It's a very real place. It's a place that God wants us all to be with him at. So God bless you, and remember, as we take communion next, that God sent Jesus so that he would give his life 
pay the price, buy the ticket, and get us there to heaven. So thank you so much for attending and being with us today. Uh, We'll close out with a prayer. I remind you to subscribe. And if you're giving, you can give to metro.com, do the give to metro.com site. If you haven't registered for one of them, please register for one of them. But uh, use the link so that we know that you're with us. Thank you so much. Uh, Let's close out in a prayer. Father God, thank you for being good. Thank you for being righteous and holy, for being just, for being equitable, treating us with equity, God. Thank you for caring about everybody, and especially the people that are the poorest in our world who will be hit the hardest by this. Help us who have to share with those who don't have. Help us to do that first in our families, and then in our neighborhoods, in our cities, in our communities, and then with those around the world. As we can, Father, help us to be generous. Help us to be giving to others. But most importantly, just to remember who you are, God, and to remember that we're not you and that all we can do is the best that we can do. God, we love you. We're grateful for all that you do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.